1: Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is
3: Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. It is a hot summer day and even hotter inside this studio with Ken and Jeff. How are you today?
4: Put your shirt back on, please. I'm trying to cool off.
1: Well, if you wanted to cool off, you could put the AC back on. But
3: Well, we don't want to ruin the recording. I'd rather be shirtless with a good recording than a bad recording with my shirt on.
1: The things we do for our listeners. Yeah,
3: That's right. Matt, are you shirtless or are you wearing clothes? I am naked sitting on an ice block. It's the only way to live out here. The old ice block business in LA. I hear it's a thriving, thriving business. <laughs> thriving industry, uh, you're right. Our mat is in Los Angeles, but we have a very special mat joining us today uh, for the podcast. He's gonna be hosting a game. He's an Oakland Five supporter on Patreon. uh, From Denver, works in New York, lives in Bordentown, New Jersey. He's a man of many places and many talents. That is Matt Meadow. Thank you for joining us today, how are you?
5: I'm great, how are you today?
3: Doing well. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: Um, Well, I work in the advertising world as a digital media director. I've uh, been living out here on the East Coast for about 15 years. Um, I'm, as, I, as you said, I'm from Denver. I have a wife and a son, and a dog and a cat. What else? What else can I tell you about me that would be riveting to? What our else is there? Listeners? Right? That's a lot. I think I, th- I feel that uh, really covers the whole gamut of my my life. Um, I am a longtime uh, pub trivia player, so the pandemic was uh, was a miserable time for me, but I found ways to entertain myself. By creating ones for my friends via Zoom, there you go, uh, to to go to, you know to, to make the dark days go faster.
4: Yeah,
3: that sounds great. Uh, the fact that you're providing some trivia to brighten some people's days, especially during a dark time, that's uh, very commendable. And glad to have you join us and so many other great trivia hosts, whether they're in person on Twitch or through email, through mail, whatever it may be. But uh, just bringing joy to people. So thank you for doing that.
5: It's my pleasure, I'm happy to be here.
3: And thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we very much appreciate that. Uh, so Matt is going to be hosting the game. Uh, so that means it's just going to be a classic two-on-two here uh, with Triviality Boys. So Ken, do you want to partner today? Yeah, sounds good. All right. And you had some ideas on the team name, I think, uh, a theme, I suppose.
4: Yeah, we watched some Sherlock Holmes movies last night. So let's do a Sherlock Holmes-themed okay. team name. And uh, Reichen- was it Reichen- the Reichenbach Fall is one of the famous stories, right? Yeah,
3: in the final problem, uh, it, it deals with with Reichenbach Falls with him and Moriarty.
4: All right, so we'll be the Reichenbach Fails.
3: Ooh. All right, so that means we actually got to like show up and try to yeah. do well today. Because
4: we have an uphill battle, quite frankly, against the magnificent team of Jeff and uh, Matt, Robot Matt.
2: Yeah, Robot Matt.
3: Uh, Jeff, any ideas on a team name or Matt? Should
2: we uh, be the Hounds of Triviality, Matt? <laughs> oh, yes, the Hounds of Triviality. I love it. To
1: pay homage to Sherlock Holmes ourselves? How about The Hounds of (laughs) Asserville?
5: It's a family show, Ken. That's That's my favorite Basil Rathbone uh, Sherlock Holmes movie.
6: Mm.
3: It's a classic. Uh, Basil Rathbone, not only a great Sherlock, but just a great name in general. Great
4: spice. It's probably about as British as you can get.
5: Parents need to step up in uh, in the time of need yeah we have enough neils and mats and kens and jeffs mm-hmm. we need some basil's and some rathbones some basil's <laughs> some, some oregano fumes, and some oh <laughs> yeah. you want a different direction Hopefully. kale well, i think we have a few kales now there's a few Throw kales i think Throw i follow one Rathbone. or two on instagram in their name. airstream trailer <laughs>
1: <laughs> can't wait to meet your uh your kid neil ranch <laughs>
3: <laughs> get over here ranch, uh, ranch yes, right. Sounds good. uh well we have our teams it's me and ken the reichenbach fails and uh Jeff and Matt will be the hounds of triviality, uh, but we need the rules in order to play the game. Uh, Matt Meadow, uh, any preference on the rules read?
5: Oh, I, uh, I'm a classics man myself, but I, uh, I will take, uh, I will take uh, the random wheel of, of fortune. All
4: right. Let's see what we get.
1: Chris Hansen here. Triviality Podcast is two rounds of 20 questions worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there's a special swing round by this week's host. In the final round, players wager points they've earned for a chance to become the cream of the crop. Stand
3: by, and I'll be watching. We mouth the crop.
4: All right. Uh, Just like so many men who have had a seat, uh, the Wheel of Fortune spun, and we got Chris Hansen.
3: Doesn't bode well (laughs) for us today. Time to take a seat. (laughs) Uh, So feel free, uh, feel free, Matt, to take it away, and we are ready to play on this sunny day. And I didn't mean to rhyme all of that. Mm. You say that every time it happens. I'm starting to think it's intentional.
4: Neil's just a beat poet.
3: Uh, yeah, Yeah, what's the So I Married an Axe Murderer, Mike Myers? Woman... I can't
5: think of the rest whoa, of it. Whoa, man. Yeah, yeah, whoa, man. I, yeah. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> I used to be able to do that whole, uh, whole thing because I thought it would impress women, but apparently mm. uh, I wasted my time. Well, <laughs> you, you found
3: someone to uh, spend your time with, so maybe the poem worked.
5: <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe it was after. I will regale her when she gets home. Sometimes <laughs> you have to learn what not to do. Yeah, that's true. That's there true. There you go. Too. Okay, so this under the category of tasty treats, native to the Caribbean, what sort of animal is the mountain chicken?
4: All right, so we're thinking this is probably a misnomer. Otherwise, I can't really figure it out. So we're going to pick something really different from a chicken as our answer.
2: Jeff, what do you think is the exact opposite of a chicken?
4: Marty McFly. That's a great
1: answer. (laughs) I wish I would have thought of that. Um, Milk. Chocolate. (laughs) The opposite of a chicken. I thought it might still be a bird, but maybe it was something like a vulture or something else (laughs) that, you know. But I don't know. Michael Keaton. Um, opposite of a of a chicken. So what's something that's like can't fly at all? Chickens can fly a little bit. Um, a dodo bird. Slow. Right now. Really slow. And then stingray. Um, it's pretty much <laughs> like a stingray or a whale. Yeah. Turtle. Uh,
2: let's do. A let's turtle. do whale. Ooh, I like whale. I kind of like
4: that idea. Okay. We're gonna, <laughs> the we're mountain gonna... chicken is a whale. <laughs> All right, our okay. answer is almost as silly we said a uh, big cat some kind of big so it, cat
5: well I'm sorry neither of those answers today are right uh, the, it is a frog
4: oh,
1: uh, wow.
5: found only in the Caribbean islands of Dominican Dominica and Montserrat okay um, and it's been on decline for a while but it's its legs are used in many West Indies dishes um, and which has a it is known to taste much like chicken.
4: Okay, wow. I have heard that, but I've never had frog. I don't think
3: I like the mountain chicken as a wrestling name too.
5: Mm. Neil the Mountain Chicken <laughs>
4: right. Fisher. Is
3: it's... that every time you're challenged, you run into the mountains, or no? It's like a juxtaposition. It's like is he big and strong but afraid of everything, or is he like ferocious like a chicken? But but
1: uh, you
2: know, noted ferocious animal <laughs> the chicken.
1: Wow, things that have never been said in human history.
5: In the category of On the Nose, uh, Mufasa and Simba are Swahili words. One point each for their English translations.
4: Okay, so I knew we were on to something with the big cats, right?
3: Mm -hmm. Okay, Ken and I uh, did some uh, deductive reasoning here as the Reichenbach fails, and uh, I think we're on to Matt Meadows' uh, tricks, and so we're going to lock in.
1: All right, Matt. Do you uh, do you happen to remember
2: either of these? I thought I thought it was potentially just like father and son, but I could be wrong.
1: I was trying to remember. I thought maybe one was like king and one was maybe like lion or oh, something. That, but I think yeah, it could be, definitely it could be father is, and son.
2: I think one is definitely king. I think Mufasa okay. is king. Uh, do you think it's prince then? Okay. Or JTT. King and King and Prince.
3: <laughs> um, JTT.
2: I like King and Prince. Yeah, I kind
1: of remember when they broke into the Purple Rain section <laughs> of that movie. So,
4: yeah,
2: and their raspberry Berets.
4: So you're going to say uh, King and Prince, then? That is correct. Okay, we are also saying King, but the other one we are saying is Lion.
5: And the correct answer is King and Lion. Uh, All right. Way to phone it in, Disney.
3: <laughs> that category helped the on the nose because I was like, it could it be Lion and King? Um... And
4: all right, so half points for uh, the Hounds, and uh, full points for uh, Reichenbach Fails.
5: All right, the category is Where's is Our Reboot? Back to the Future 3, what are the name of Doc and Clara's children?
3: Oh, we can lock in, Matt. Excellent. So Doc's children, isn't it? The, they're named after a famous um, scientist, right? Author. I believe. Oh, so then it's it's going to be... uh, uh Ver... Verne, Ver, Ver, not Verne Troyer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's a famous author, no. Uh, Jules Verne. Jules Verne, that's Fam- right. Famous yeah. mini-mead Jules Verne. Yeah. Uh,
4: Jules? I, I was having a uh, a uh, lapse on that, too. So, yeah. But it is Jules Verne.
3: Oh, so it's Jules and Verne. I think so. Aren't the kids? Okay. I didn't know if it was like Newton or the other ones, but I'm fine with that. We can lock him with Jules and Verne.
1: I believe he goes, Marty, meet my boys. Jules. And Vern, as they both come around the, the train at the end, mm. yes. Author of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the uh, author, he shared his love with with his wife. So, Oh, they were swingers?
5: <laughs> <laughs> Jules and Vern is correct. Marty, get over here. It's a wild party. <laughs> Put your keys in the bowl.
3: <laughs> Make sure to go back in time and bring protection. <sighs>
5: Let's go on to Quote and Quotables as our category. This old quote goes back to 1930. One morning, I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got in my pajamas, I don't know. What movie is that from?
3: Okay, Ken and I discussed a few options, and we're feeling strongly about one, at least as a guess, and we will lock in.
2: I have no idea, Jeff. You have any ideas? Um, I believe Matt said that this was a movie from the
1: 30s, Correct.
5: Nineteen thirty, correct. Oh, From
1: the year nineteen thirty. Okay.
5: Wings. That narrows your field considerably.
1: Uh, Wizard of Oz. I don't remember being in there, but that was what twenty nine.
2: Toto saying that. I don't. I, I yes, don't recall. I believe this, Toto remember.
1: said that about shooting the elephant in his pants. Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. It was in the thirties, I think.
2: Maybe it's like a. I swear Mark Wizard of Oz thing?
1: was twenty nine, but is there a March? Yeah, Starter but what movie, movie would that be? Uh, I don't know the name of any. Yeah. Yeah, Mark's I don't know. Do uh, <laughs> Marks Brothers do Dallas. Mark's brothers take Manhattan. Um
2: mm. oh that's probably what it is. You're right. Um Gone I can't with the think Wind, Matt? I don't know. Fine. Yeah, I think it was Sam saying is that the same movie? Sam saying that we know nope. that? that's Casablanca. No. no, they're the same movie. Sorry, people. Uh Gone with the Wind. I don't care. We don't know it.
3: Yeah, Ken and I thought this might be Marx Brothers. It just sounded like a Marx Brothers joke, and then it was trying to figure out which Marx Brothers uh, movie it was. We thought about *Night at the Opera* and a couple other ones, but um, the one that stuck with us was *Duck Soup*. So that's what we locked in. I
4: feel like that's the most famous one.
5: Right? Yeah, that is uh, that is the most famous one. I think I like *Night at the Opera* best, but this is from actually from 1930s *Animal Crackers*. Mm. Both *Gone with the Wind* and *Wizard of Oz* are 1939. Mm-hmm. Oh, Thirty nine want to just stuck that in your pocket for later <laughs> <laughs> alright moving on, how I learn math is our category a staple of D&D until the year 2000, THACO is an acronym that stands for what, and I can spell THACO if needed sure T-H-A-C-0
4: So the D&D edition that we were playing was probably pre-2000 edition yeah right? it was, we played 3-5 so Hmm. I have no idea on this I, I can't even like venture a guess. Does his clue
3: about uh, how he learned math have anything to do with it? Like, is, is it a number? I'm
4: sure it's the way that you calculate like how much damage you're doing or how much damage you're taking or something like that. But I I there's no way I can I can work that acronym out. So.
3: Okay, we'll say uh, we're just gonna lock in with uh, Tom Hanks. Always a cool is always a cool zero zero. <laughs>
5: that a great acronym is that that's one <laughs> all right matt another one?
1: i played D and i don't okay. i don't know this one though
2: it it's it's sounds like and it's familiar with um a lot of how the old rpgs were programmed and it's like i believe it's to calculate base damage without armor but i don't know what it stands for i think it's i think that's what it is is like this is what a hit would be without any kind of defense. And then it's calculated after defense. So like
1: something know. hit armor class zero.
2: Yeah. I'm
1: trying to think of what the team might be.
2: Total. Total hit. Total, Total hit. Armor. Total hit
1: armor class zero. Sure. I and mean, it's better than anything I would have come up with on
2: my own. Better than Tom Hanks. <laughs> Nothing's better than Tom Hanks. American All right, what trading. is it,
5: Matt? All right, it is very close. It is two hit armor class zero, mm. which they retired when they went to third edition. If you play three point five, that was two thousand three. But uh, in the old days of when I learned in the eighties, uh, Thaco was a uh, was the uh, one of your key key components of putting your character together. Fighters had negative points usually because they were harder to hit, and magic usually at the other end of the spectrum with positive Thaco. They were much more easy to hit.
1: Okay. There you go. That makes sense. Why we didn't know it. Well, <laughs> uh,
5: as, as a side note, I tried to name our cat Thacko, but my wife decided his name would be better, uh, Pumpkin. So she has to go around with us. Uh, the sad pumpkin name
4: now. So she owes you one.
5: Uh, right. That's she ag- she agrees. That's to- why your
4: kid is named Megatron. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> She agreed to be with you from the uh, the beat poetry, but uh, she you had to acquiesce the uh, the name of the cat.
5: A bridge too far.
3: Yeah, a bridge too far. Uh, well, she's always compromise. That's right. <laughs> uh, after five questions, it looks like uh, Team uh, Hounds of Triviality have fifteen, and uh, the Reichenbach fails have twenty.
2: Oh, not bad. I expected that to be zero, so we're doing okay. <laughs> so,
5: category is news from the front. In which battle was the charge of the Light Brigade? remembered more for the poem than the ski masks
3: yeah we can lock in matt okay so what do you know i know we were talking about this the other day and i can't
4: oh all right so he said something about ski masks and i don't know the name of this battle but what if what if we say it's like the battle of like balaclava or something oh because that's a type of ski mask kind of yes what do you think about that i like that you said the battle of Balaklava,
3: not Baklava. Right. right. I
4: was... The Battle of Baklava is what we usually right. have when there's only one piece left. Correct.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, so we're
4: going to say Balaklava.
1: Yeah. We too said the Battle of Balaclava.
4: Wow.
5: You were both correct. I felt you left a, a Crimea River joke just laying there, but uh, <laughs> I didn't want to involve myself. Um, uh, we only
1: <laughs> Crimea River when they get it wrong. <laughs>
5: hmm. But yes, October 25th, 19- 1854, during the Crimean uh, War. The Battle of uh, Balaclava.
3: Great clue. I'd, good, good pull on we that. Snuck into that one. Yeah, we snuck in like someone in a ski mask. Mm.
5: <laughs> Let's move on to another warfront. Another battle news. After the Alamo, General Santa Anna's position was overrun, and he was forced to flee. Without what? There'll be a there'll be a bonus point to this if you can tell me where that thing is now.
2: I believe I do.
5: Okay, we can lock it in. What? Yeah, I don't know this.
4: I don't know this tale that well. Um, Santa Ana. without so San- a, what? Without the flag or right? Without his horse or?
1: I know one time Ken raided my house and I was forced to flee without my pants.
4: Hmm. Let's say he, flew. he had to flee on foot without his
2: horse. Okay,
4: I don't, I don't. I really don't know here.
3: All right, and then we for the bonus we need to know where the horse is now.
2: You and you don't. I
4: don't. I,
3: I don't.
2: Because <laughs> it's not right. <laughs>
4: All right, what is it, Matt?
2: So I know this, I'm almost 99% sure, from King of the Hill. It was a very large point. Uh, the dad was a big fan of, he protected the Alamo or something, and they got old Sandy Annie's leg, and I believe it's still in a museum down there. Uh, oh, he tries to steal it in one episode. but I'm almost 100% sure it's the leg, and I don't know where it would be now, but some museum.
5: It is indeed Santa Ana's fake leg. Mm. So if we go back pre-Alamo, Santa Ana lost his uh, leg to cannonball fire uh, during a melee with the French, uh, I think 1838, but in 1847, he was overrun by the Illinois um, National Guard or the Illinois 4th uh, Infantry, I should say, not, mm. <laughs> National Guard. And uh, his leg still resides today in Springfield, Illinois <laughs> at the oh. Illinois State Military Museum.
0: Oh.
3: Wow, I didn't know that. You guys can go visit.
5: I made that one just for you guys.
2: (laughs) Let's take a road trip.
5: All the many sites of Illinois.
3: Go rub Blinken's nose and uh, check out Santa Ana's leg.
5: All right. Category is Toto. Didn't name check them. There are 54 countries in modern day Africa. Name three that have four letter names. Five points for each one correct.
4: Okay, well, uh, this is quite difficult. We don't really know. I think we know one of them right off the bat.
3: Yeah, the first one I could think of was Chad.
4: Yeah. Um, So we'll say Chad. We'll say Laos. I think that might be a city, though.
1: Laos is a country in Asia.
4: Oh. Um, And uh, lastly, we'll say Zulu, which is not a country. Our apologies.
1: Okay. Um, This is very frustrating because I think I've named, like, 35 African countries in our discussion, and I swear I should be able to get all of them. I did come up with two. Chad is one, and the other one is Togo. Mm. But I can't remember the third one. So we're going to just lock in for 10 points with those two.
5: But uh, the one you're missing is Molly. <gasps> Molly. Ah. Chad, Togo, and Molly. Okay. So Molly's five... in West Africa.
4: All right, so five points for me and Neil, and uh, 10 for uh, these guys.
5: Knit My Job is a name in this category. Knit Your Bit was popularized as a slogan from this organization whose aim it was to supply soldiers with wearable goods.
4: All right, we are going to lock in with a straight guess here. We don't really have a good idea, but uh, we're just going to go for it.
2: Hmm.
4: All right, Matt. Um, I'm thinking it's the
1: American Red Cross.
2: You think it's the American what Red do you Cross?
1: Think? Yeah, I think maybe not. Like maybe like some part of them, but at least they were involved. I would think in the in the first
2: instance. Okay, I was thinking maybe it was like some kind of clothing company that started as a fatigue type producer and then moved on to other kinds of clothes and clothing. But I can't think of anything specifically like that. So I'm okay with Red Cross.
1: Okay, we will lock in with the American Red Cross.
4: And we were thinking more uh, uh, along Matt's. Uh, train of thought and we thought it was an apparel company that uh, started again in the military and then branched out to other stuff we said Abercrombie and Fitch
5: both good guesses but American Red Cross is correct I I chased this lineage back to at least uh, World War I um, and where they were provided patterns on how they could help soldiers and providing wearable goods for them uh, for, for those who you know, because socks were just as a neat as bullets at the time. Hmm. Um, and uh, the American Red Cross adopted a slogan. And, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, various posters and stuff you can see that have like, big socks on it. Um, the patriotic, those giant old patriotic posters you would see, especially during World War II.
4: Gotcha. Oh, very interesting.
5: So let's, uh, let's get some points going into the swing round here. Which, this is a category of Twinkle Twinkle. Which star also known as a North Star, is particularly useful in navigation.
2: We could lock in, right?
4: Okay, so the North Star, obviously, stars are other suns. The closest uh, other solar system to us, I believe, is Proxima... Nova? No. Centuri. Centuri. Oh, yeah. Right? That's the first one? I think so. Or Alpha Centuri. So maybe we should say that.
3: Alpha Centuri? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know I've heard this a million times, but yeah, that sounds that sounds fine. Okay.
1: I think if you were trying to go to the North Pole, you might want to track another star with the name Polaris. So we said Polaris.
5: Polaris is correct. Uh, the North Star is a supergiant uh, star that basically keeps the same position relative to our uh, axis turning.
3: Okay. After the first round, it looks like Team Reichenbach fails is living up to their name with 35 points, but in the lead, and a sizable lead at that, is the Hounds of Triviality with 65 points. Matt, what do you have in store for the swing round today?
5: This category will be known as the so-so phobias, or we could also call it the fear factor. We're going to go over phobias today. Okay.
3: What if we have a phobia of answering questions about phobias?
5: Question number one. What is trischodicophobia the fear of? Number two, the fear of animals is called. Number three, brontophobia. Dinosaurs don't get it, your pets might have it. Number four, fear of water is known as Number five, what is aphidophobia? Number six, it's hard to wear shorts if you suffer from genuphobia. Number seven, dendrophobia, especially if you plan to steal apples. Number eight, fear of public spaces or crowds. Number nine, hippopotamonstra syscordelia phobia isn't about being hungry hungry. Number 10, when you look upon my visage and shudder, you might be experiencing pogonophobia.
4: Okay, we will consider these phobias in a rather
6: frightening way, and we'll be right back. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: All right, we've taken a couple minutes to think about these phobias, along with our own phobias, and uh, <laughs> we are back with our answers. So go ahead and take it away. We'll do it one by one.
5: Triscodecophobia, the fear of.
4: Believe this is the number 13.
2: We also said the number 13.
5: Number 13 is correct. The fear of animals is called.
4: Uh, we don't know this one, so we said uh, we were thinking taxonomy, and we just said taxophobia.
1: Oh, that's clever. Uh, we said animaliophobia.
5: I thought about adding uh, Marty the zebra definitely suffered from this. Zoophobia.
4: Mm. oh that's so
5: that obvious easy. that's
4: logical
3: Damn So obvious.
1: <laughs>
4: i'm also afraid of the zoo except because of the people
1: they're the
5: brontophobia real animals. brontophobia dinosaurs don't get it your pets might have it we just said the vet oh that's smart i didn't i wasn't even thinking in the second part we said uh fear of charles bronson <laughs> i mean everybody has a fear of charles bronson um <laughs> The fear of thunderstorms. Thunderstorms. Oh,
3: Oh, okay. I've heard that. Damn it. Thunder lizard. Oh, thunder lizard. Right, because it's so large, and I'm sure the footsteps made it seem like thunder.
1: Oh, so it was tie-inable to dinosaurs.
5: Fear of water is known as. We went with
1: hydrophobia. Yeah, we too said hydrophobia.
5: That is correct. Hydrophobia. What is ophidophobia? Uh,
4: when I reread this, I read it as a fetophobia, and we just guess it's the fear of feet, which Neil uh, suffers from.
1: Actually, it's funny you should say that. I got this from a magic card, but what is the answer, Matt? It's
2: like this is something uh, that Harrison Ford had in Indiana Jones. We think it's the fear of snakes.
1: It is indeed the fear of snakes. Good job. Yeah, There's a magic card called Ophiomancer, and it's like a snake, a snake summoner.
5: Mm. Nice. It's hard to wear shorts if you suffer from genuphobia. We said
4: that uh, maybe this is a, like a never nude, and we said bare legs. Um, yeah, I don't know how Matt
1: pulled this one, um, but he said this one is uh, bare knees.
5: That is a nice pull. It is the fear of knees.
4: Can we get can we get points on that
5: for bare legs?
2: Knees are part of the legs. Let's give them points.
4: <laughs> All right.
3: Oh,
5: so, yeah. generous. so generous.
2: <laughs> Only when I'm ho- when I'm not hosting. When I'm hosting, I'm awful. No points for anybody.
5: Dendrophobia especially if you plan to steal apples. Uh, We said teeth. I think that's
1: dentrophobia. Uh, I think dendrophobia is fear of trees.
3: Mm. Uh,
5: Yes, it is indeed fear of trees. Uh, I was going back to a Wizard of Oz reference there. Steal my apples.
3: (laughs) Oh, that makes sense now that you say that that way. Yep.
5: Fear of public spaces or crowds.
3: I think this
4: is agoraphobia.
1: From the Greek for open-air markets, we said agoraphobia.
5: Agoraphobia is correct. I thought it might have been that four-legged, four-armed guy from Mortal Kombat there. But... Goro.
4: Agor- Goro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for number nine, it seems that Matt suffers a little bit from hippopotamantra so huh. we'll just uh, unbury the lead and say it's the fear of long
5: words.
2: We agree. Long words, no good.
5: Thank you. Thank you for, uh, thanks for helping you through that uh, the time of need there. No problem. <sighs> when you look upon my visage and shudder, you might be experiencing pogonophobia.
4: Okay, one thing I noticed about uh, Matt's visage is his uh, prominent beard. So I think it's the fear of beards.
1: Yep, as soon as I remembered that he was talking about the visage, we also said it's the fear of beards.
5: Both are correct. It's a fear of beards.
4: So if you have... Uh... If you have this phobia, do not enter the sweat lodge Yeah, under please, any means.
1: Please do not ever sign up to be a contestant in person.
3: After the swing round, it looks like these scores are going to be 65 points for the Reichenbach Fails and 105 points for the Hounds of Triviality going into round two. I think the game is afoot, Neil. The game is very much afoot. And uh, Mr. Meadow, let's begin round two.
5: Let's start with a tiny pianist. Grand pianos Still, have 88
4: keys. You know just my brand of humor. Still.
5: <laughs> grand piano has 88 keys, and while a number of strings depends on the model, it usually has about 230. How much pressure do the strings in a grand piano exert on the frame? Five points for knowing the unit of measurement, 15 points for the correct answer.
4: I think it's immense, Neil, so let's say this. Okay. All
1: right. I think it's like three or four tons which would be like 8,000 pounds of pressure. I don't know per what area, though. Well, so I'm not sure.
2: There's a lot of square inches there. So maybe it, maybe it's like 300 PSI.
1: Oh, it might, it might be more than that.
2: It might that's be a, 600 PSI. Lot.
1: All right. All right. <laughs> Do you want to go with 600 be. PSI? I, don't, I have <laughs> yeah, I no don't idea here. 600 uh, PSI totally is my, my favorite
2: depth. measurement. So that's over. That's okay, going so we're going
4: to go 600 psi. All right, since we're talking about the whole piano, I don't think we need to per square inch. So we just said it was two tons of pressure.
5: And the correct answer is 30 tons of pressure. Whoa. Each, string. each string has a tension of between 150 and 200 pounds. So the combined force is about uh, 30 tons in a concert grand piano.
4: So that thing's ready to blow at any second. That's what you're telling me. Yeah,
5: that's right. All right.
4: So do do we get five points for the for the unit then?
5: I you had tonnage, yes. So you okay. get five points for the for that part of the question. Okay. Question number two. How Mondays feel. Speaking of tonnage, Tennessee Ernie Williams popularized the song sixteen tons. Who wrote and recorded the song originally? Bonus points, if you can name the nineteen ninety movie whose opening sequence utilized the song
4: all right so we have some ideas we're gonna lock in matt i
1: don't know what you're thinking but i feel like 16 tons may be the beginning to oh brother where art thou i don't know if that's right for a year but terribly already... out of my element here
2: yeah so you just want to guess an old old singer sure which one do you have in mind um oh, those gregorian monks They were pretty old.
1: I don't think it's that old, Matt.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I was thinking more of
1: along the era of like Irving Berlin or something. but Oh, yeah.
2: Let's go with that. Sing. Uh, Rock Me Amadeus, right?
4: Sure. Yeah, we've got no idea. Yeah. All right. We're just going to say Johnny Cash originated the song, and uh, we're going to say it was in the movie Over the Top because he was a trucker.
5: At that? This is a hard pull, but it's a 1947 release by Merle Robert Travis, and then re-recorded in 1955 by Tennessee Ernie Williams. Okay. I cannot qualify if it's in "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou." I don't believe it is, but the movie I'm referring to—you'd—you'd—you'd uh, you'd, you'd referred to this actor before earlier in the quiz. That is Mr. Tom Hanks in *Joe Versus the Volcano*, because mm. he's marketing work on Staten Island. Mm. Okay. Question number three: *Mama's Boys*. This OG woman. The first first, a namesake also dear to Clark and Bruce.
2: We can lock in. How did you know that name?
4: (laughs) Martha. Is
5: Batman here? Yeah, we said
4: Martha as well.
5: Martha, Martha, Martha. Yes, this is where I'm referring to Martha Washington, the first first lady. Mm -hmm. Question number four. Don't mess with Texas. The University of Texas mascot is known as Bevo. To date, there has been at least 15 Bevos representing the university. What was the fate of their first one?
4: Died at the Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> so what is Bevo? It's like a, a bowl. bull, like a
3: longhorn.
5: Yeah. Be- right. Bevo is a longhorn. Uh, I, I don't know if you want to tell you, but Bevo is a longhorn steer. Oh, hold
1: there. on, Matt.
3: So so is I think Bevo I know
4: burgers now?
3: Yeah, he was he was the beginning of McDonald's or something. Um, I'm serious. Let's say he was turned into like some sort of meat trade or something. Yeah. Yeah, we could do it. I can't remember
1: exactly what the details for this story were Matt. I'm pretty sure he was eaten. I don't know if he was eaten during like the Great Depression, like the dust bowl or something, but does that but does you, that sound you, good to you? He ended you up as You don't
2: think that he ate Santa Anna's leg.
1: I don't believe so. No. Okay. Santa Anna buried the one, left the other one, and I think the third one's with him in the grave, but
2: <laughs> Okay. Eaten during the depression. What an uplifting story.
3: Yeah, and we went with something similar. Yeah, Ken said uh, maybe he was eaten or turned into food of some sort.
5: That is correct. They slaughtered and ate him at a barbecue in his honor. Uh, this, is a, uh, this is not a tradition they, they, they continued with. And uh, I don't think they want to try that on modern mascots, like Gritty, for example.
3: Yeah, I don't know if anyone wants to eat Gritty. I'm sure it'd be a curse on them or something.
2: Ooh, but yes, in 1920, the, the, they, the,
5: the football players ate him. Okay, taxonomy time. How many ranks are there in the hierarchy of biological classification? Why don't you give it to me in Spanish?
4: Or lectin. Is so that uh, siete? Seven? Seven steps?
3: Yeah, that makes sense. I know there's more than five, I, I believe. So. so since he wants it in Spanish, we're going
4: to say siete.
3: All right, Matt. So there's what, like Kingdom,
1: Phylum, Class, Order?
2: Um, and the rest. You're right. I don't know. <laughs> the Ocho? Yes, ESPN, Yeah, the Ocho. let's go
1: with uh, ESPN8, the Ocho.
5: The Ocho is correct. It is Kingdom, Phylum, Class, Order, Family, Genus, and Species.
3: Well, with that correct answer, it looks like the uh, Hounds of Triviality are furthering their lead with 135 points after five questions in the second round. And at Reichenbach Fails, we are still yet to crack 100, so we're at 90.
5: This is category of one sports question, question number six. A time period lasting seven and a half minutes, what are polo matches segmented, segmented into?
4: Oh, oh man. So we're, we're
3: trying to figure out what the seven and a half minute polo segments are called? Yes. Let's say it's periods. Periods? Yeah. yeah. Like hockey. Yeah, okay. We'll go periods over here. So Matt can uh, talk it out into oblivion.
2: There's not much to talk about because I have no idea. I'm, I've am i missed most of the uh, classic polo matches across time, apparently. Uh, there's a bit of a financial barrier into getting into polo in the sense of owning a horse. So it wasn't for me. Um but I think a lot of those fancy games they call things like legs. There's different legs of a, like a race of a rugby match, maybe I don't know. So we're saying legs, throwing it back to Sandy Annie, Annie.
5: All right. Well, the sport of kings, known as known as polo, is has four mounted riders, and the game usually lasts roughly two hours, divided into pyramids called chuckas or chuckers.
3: Chuckers. Mm-hmm. That's
5: chuckas like C H U K K A S. Okay. Now I know one thing about polo.
4: That's true. We learned something
5: today. Question number seven, by any other name. This portmanteau console launched July 15th, 1983. For five bonus points each, name the three games who launched with it.
3: We're locked in over here.
2: All right, Jeff. So there's two that I'm thinking of. So I think it's either Intellivision or ColecoVision. Oh, those are both portmanteaus and they both came out around the same time. But I think, I think
1: Coleco, what is that? What would be the first word intelligence right. vision or like intellectual vision or something? I can and see that as a portmanteau, but
2: yeah, because then the second <sighs> yeah, that's part, what I meant. yeah, I kind of like that. I think in television and I think maybe for the games that launches with, we would say like Pac-Man, Frogger and, uh, What's the the cl- the classic uh, shooting game where the brick? No, oh, where um, the, the monsters come down faster as you shoot them. Blaster Master. Oh, I don't you're know. talking
1: about uh, the ones where, the where they drop down and then they yeah. just keep. Space Invaders. Space
2: Invaders. Space Invaders. Pac Man and the other thing I said. Frogger. <laughs> I don't know. Frogger. Sure.
3: That sounds like the right answer. I've never actually heard of it, but it sounds more like a portmanteau than Atari. But, um, we discussed for a while and the only thing we kept coming back to, which we think is incorrect is Atari. And, uh, for our bonus, we just put Pong, Frogger and asteroids.
5: Uh, what I'm referring to is, uh, the portmanteau I'm referring to is the family computer, also known as Famicom. the Famicom, Nintendo's first console launched on this date in Japan. Um, And it launched with three games, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., and Popeye.
3: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: That's the uh, Japanese NES, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct.
5: Question number eight. Speaking of mashups, what is the cross between a donkey and a zebra known as?
4: I don't know. I don't know this one. Do you? Off the top? The donkey and zebra? I would be happy to call it a zonkey.
3: Zonky sounds better probably than what it is. I I've seen a picture of this a before. A Debra.
1: <laughs> it's pronounced Deborah. A
3: Debra messing. Um Yeah, I, I, zonkey. Zonky, I, I know what what he's talking about, and I've seen a picture, but I couldn't tell you what it's called. So Zonky. Uh all right, Matt. I
1: know a donkey and a horse is a mule. Yeah. And I know a tiger and a lion is a liger.
2: Well, this is this I think is, is actually um, I think it's close. I think it's um what a French person would say if they saw a thick woman walk by and they said, check out Zedonk. Because I believe it's Zedonk. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that is indeed correct. Zidonk.
4: Wow. Is that with two C's thick? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> check out Zidonk. <laughs> How dare you,
5: man? Uh, I, know, I was playing with true professionals here. <laughs> <laughs> Moments of genius. Okay. Question number nine: Zoned out. The contiguous states, the lower forty-eight, uh, span four time zones. Europe spans seven primary time zones. Being of comparable size, how many time zones does China have?
1: We can lock in, Matt.
4: They have a weird. They have a weird one mm-hmm. where it's like one and one half. I think in there. So is, it, so is say, it a low number then, or is it high I number? I th- Three and a half.
3: Three and, okay, I figured it'd probably be lower or something for, for no reason.
4: Or, or I guess it's a unique time zone. So
3: let's say four. Four? Yeah. Okay.
1: All right, Matt. Um, geographically, China spans five time zones. They observe one. So we're going to lock in with one.
5: Uh, yes, it is correct. It's one. Since 1949, at the end of the Chinese Civil War, uh, they switched all regional zones to use the same time as Beijing. Let's close out this quiz with question number 10, cold dead eyes. Pokemon's Galarian, Mr. Mime has an evolution. By what Frosty name is he otherwise known by?
2: Uh, uh, We are locked in.
4: So Mr. Mime's evolution, Mr. Snowman?
1: Well, what's a step up from like a mime? Like street magician? Clown? Or?
4: Juggler? But he said Frosty.
3: Frosty, yeah. So Frosty, something with snow. Mr. Snowman? Yeah, I I don't know anything really about same, Pokemon.
4: Say, Mr. Snowman.
3: Mr. Snowman, I like.
2: Uh, we are locking in with uh, he evolves into this um, Groucho Marx styled character wearing a bowler hat and a mustache. He's Mr. Rhyme.
5: He is indeed Mr. Rhyme. That's tap dancing bowler wearing mustachioed creep. <laughs> where's the <laughs> frosty? Nightmares. Where's the frosty coming?
2: He's an ice type. <laughs>
5: the frosty rhyme is a is a type of frost. Oh, oh. R I M E. I would like to point out that a ten year old came down to correct me because I originally had this as a uh, his his rapper name and Mr. Rhyme because I didn't actually know how to spell rhyme until uh, my ten year old came to correct me. Okay. So thank you to Xander for, uh...
0: Ooh, for
2: shout to me. out to thank you Xander.
4: So a quick addendum for uh, question number five of this round. Uh, that was the one about the biological classifications. Uh, both seven and eight do seem to be correct answers for that due to a, what do you say, call it, a hyper?
1: Uh, that's, uh, basically like an infra or super order, I think, above super kingdom order. would be domain. But... Domain,
4: okay. So that, that would be the eight, and then if you don't include that, it's seven. So we'll both take points on that one.
5: Thank you, gentlemen.
3: Okay, after regulation... Uh, it looks like Reichenbach Fails have finally reached 100, so we're at 100 points uh, to wager in the final round, and Team Hounds of Triviality are at 165. So uh, Matt Meadow, what are our categories that we can wager on today?
5: Your five categories today are Lion King Extras, Greek chic, Rocket Raccoon, It's So Long, and Dance Dance Revolution.
4: Okay, hopefully fortune will favor the bold as uh, we're betting 20s all the way down for all of our points and uh, these boys are betting 30s all the way down. So
3: you don't want fortune to favor the bold in this case.
4: Well, we're as bold as we can be, so we're both being bold.
3: And it sounds cooler when you say fortune favors the bold. Yeah, thanks for
5: messing that up. stand
4: corrected. All right.
5: Fortune Fortune favors the bold on a budget is what you're saying.
4: Yes, that's right. So let's get those questions.
5: Question number one. One of the seven wonders of the natural world how many wildebeest migrate every year, within 250,000, say. Question number two, name three of the four humors the ancient Greeks believe made up the body and determined illness. Question number three, true or false, raccoons are only found in North America. Question number four, which country has the longest coastline? And question number five, in Japanese, what is sometimes translated as the art of singing and dancing? If you don't know, make it up.
4: All right. We will consider these and we'll be back.
0: Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping family road trip trivia podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say.
5: Kat and Jethro, box of oddities.
0: What do
1: you do when the woman you love dies?
5: Cat and Jethro box of oddities. That is really mysterious.
0: Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities.
6: The Webby award-winning box of oddities podcast from airwave
0: media.
4: All right. All the answers are now locked in. So let's get the questions one more time. See how we did again. Uh, The uh, hounds of triviality bet 30s all the way down. We bet 20s all the way down.
5: Question number one. One of the seven wonders of the natural world, how many wildebeest migrate every year roughly within 250,000, let's say?
4: All right. We think it's a lot. So we said 10 million. I
1: think uh, Matt and I agreed upon um, (laughs) 2,250,000 is our final answer.
5: Uh, unfortunately, neither is correct. Um, it is 1.5 million, so no points for that round, that question. Mm. So close. I'm sure, at one point it was 10 million, but in a modern migration, is about 1.5 million. Okay. Name three of the four humors that the ancient Greeks believed made up the body and determined illness.
3: This one I knew right away thanks to uh, binging Great British Bake Off when they do their little documentary side, uh, side cutaways, and uh, I believe it is Phlegm uh blood yellow bile and black bile so those are the four but
1: and yeah we
5: uh we also
1: went with uh blood yellow and black bile uh since we only needed three and then our fourth would have been good humor
5: you have both correct Uh, blood phlegm black bile and yellow bile are the four humors i remember from a long ago episode i think it was ken that memorized the 12 labors of hercules so i wanted to see what other greek knowledge you decided to, to pack away there i wouldn't say
4: memorized I'd say
3: briefly, yeah. You labored to
4: learn the the
5: 12 labors. I did labor, yeah.
1: Had a midnight fling.
5: True or false, raccoons are only found in North America.
4: Well, we know about the Tanuki of Japan, so we said false.
2: Yeah, I know there's got to be some raccoons hanging around, watching some footy down in Australia or something, so we said false, too.
5: It's indeed false. They are native to North America, but... Through human intervention of uh, both the pet trade and fur trades, they have spread um, pretty much worldwide, but especially in in Europe and Japan.
4: Okay, I'd love a pet raccoon. Yeah,
5: I can't, I can't imagine Australia be too thrilled to have another uh, invasive species down there. That's Maybe. true. <laughs> there might yeah. be one watching some footy right now.
1: They'll have like the great Australian raccoon, like laser fence
5: after that, or
4: <laughs> <laughs> right.
5: Which country has the longest coastline?
4: Yeah. We weren't too sure. Now that I think about it a little bit more, I think it might be like an archipelago type of country, but we said Australia.
2: Yeah.
1: Australia is That's interesting. smart. Cause it's, it's an Island. That's really clever.
2: Uh, we were thinking it might be, you know, USA has got a lot of water on both sides. And so we're saying USA. A Okay.
4: Don't forget Alaska.
5: Well, Australia and the United States are definitely in the top 10. Um, at least by the World Factbook, there Australia is number seven on the list, and I, the United States is number eight. But uh, by by total coastline, when you take in both both the Pacific, Atlantic, and the North Sea, Canada is mm. going to be the the, the it's a lot the of coastline there. Canada. A lot of coastline there. And I'm not sure. I can't qualify North Sea as the right winner. Yeah, but as especially as the ice pack melts, there's a whole whole coastline up there, but it's 350, Give me, 202,000 kilometers of coastline
4: well, for Canada. All right. Last question comes down to this, maybe.
5: In Japanese, what is sometimes translated as the art of singing and dancing? If you don't know, make it up.
4: Well, we used your make it up clue and we think it might be talking about Geisha.
2: Ooh, that's pretty good. Um, Yeah, we didn't know. And I just went back to my favorite America's Best dance crew team, the Jabawakies. So we said Jabawaki.
5: Uh, I like both those answers. Uh, answers. Um, neither is correct. Uh, I was uh, referring to Kabuki theater. Kabuki.
2: Oh, Kabuki.
5: I first learned about Kabuki during a, a Magnum PI episode of, like, mm, say, mid nineteen eighties. There, so I'm. A, I am very theatrically advanced.
1: I never even thought about Kabuki as a possible answer for that. Yeah. Hmm.
5: The make it up was the uh, was the clue I was trying to give. Up, you, yeah makes perfect make...
4: sense alright well that concludes our game I think Neil has the scores for us
3: yep and uh, it has all come down to basically the entire game because uh, <laughs> the Reichenbach fails were failing the entire time and we ended with 80 points but today's cream of the crop with 135 points the uh, the hungry the sweaty the drooly hounds of triviality Jeff and Matt cream of the crop you dogs you hmm with a nice golf territory. clap from Matt Meadow there as well. Which
1: is more than we deserve, but thank you.
3: Yes, great game. Uh Matt Meadow, thank you so much for taking the time to put this game together, joining us today, uh hanging out and uh you know, just being a great person. We appreciate it.
5: It was my pleasure. I'd love to come back again, either as a host or a guest.
3: Of course. And uh, anyone you would like to give a shout out to? The floor is yours before we uh, bid you adieu.
5: Um I'm sure there's people who helped me put it together, but I will say my uh my old team at Publicis who did who were the first to try this out and then my friends chad vera um and brian and michelle and mike and marianne who uh, all were were ho- or, uh, victims of various earlier incarnations of this <laughs> and my wife uh kenna and my son xander sounds good i was way longer than i thought it was gonna be <laughs> i can see why they play you off once in a while and uh, they have the big shows. <laughs> That's all right. We'll,
3: we'll just imagine the orchestra is playing us off right now. But yes, thank you very much for joining us today, for being a Patreon supporter. If you'd like to join Matt, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast. And for Ken, Jeff, Matt, Matt Meadow, my name is Neil, and that was Triviality. Uh, well, we got our teams. Uh, so it's me and Ken, Reichenbach fails versus... Ken and uh, no, that's not, that's not true. Well, we have our teams. It's me and Ken. Rock, rock and Bach, rock and (laughs) Bach, rock and Sockham. Chevrolet. Oh my God.